Watch out. Heads up. What's, what's, what's the point of that? Beware. Danger. One word. Danger. If you're ever out in a field or out in a baseball field or just out somewhere and somebody says, Heads up. That means, look up. Danger's coming. Watch out. I was playing golf with my son one, one time in Georgia. And we come upon this family. And this, this man was obviously teaching his children how to play golf. And so... We didn't have to holler for, we didn't hit the ball at them, but they saw us come up on the tee and they made a mistake. They said, play through, and they went out into the woods. My magic. I tee off. Shankopotamus. Right out into the woods, one hop, I hit one of them. They would have been safe if they'd have stayed in the fairway. But once I saw where the ball was going, I did say, heads up, four, watch out. You know, we were... But if you hear that, that's a call. Watch out for danger. We have a call in this text. Pay attention. Be alert. Watch out for danger. And this is to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, but this is the Word of God, and so it is applicable to all of the churches and all of the people in God's churches. So last week, what we saw Paul do, and it's humbling as he does things like this and says, follow me as I follow Christ, and he's not afraid to say that he served the Lord with humility and tears and all of that, but he used his service in Ephesus as an example of a faithful Christian life, and we talked about that last week. I'll, I'll let you go back and listen to that sermon. But that was sort of the, the foundation of what he's about to say to them. He was like, you know how I served among you and how I fought for the gospel and how I was faithful to share with you the whole counsel of God. And he's basically saying what he says in other places. Now, follow me as I follow Christ. And he's challenging the Ephesian elders. This is a challenge for the elders. It's a challenge for the church today. It's a warning. It's urgent. It's a charge to be on guard, to pay careful attention. So we're going to look at verses 28 to 38. We'll focus more on some than others. Um, so, so, but but we, we want to see the rest of this warning. I entitled this sermon, Shepherds, Wolves, and the Word of His Grace. And we'll look and see. And, and the call to watch out as elders, the call to watch out as God's people. The main point, we watch out by knowing and applying God's word as our standard and our defense. So we'll see as Paul challenges the wolves, the, the, the elders to watch out for the wolves that this is applicable to us as a church. And as we seek to appoint more elders, it's applicable to us as individuals who are seeking to follow Christ and, and to know how to watch out. But in verse 28, that's where we're going to pick up. It says, this is the first point. Watch, a warning. Watch out for the wolves. In 28 to 31. This is a warning. Look, look in verse 28. He says, pay careful attention. And this is to the elders. But he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Pay 
careful attention. He's speaking to the elders. We saw this in verse 17. So he's talking to the elders of the church. And notice what he says to them in this verse. We're going to come back to the pay careful attention. But he, say, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you elders, overseers, to care for the church of God. And in those three terms, elder, overseers, and then where it's the charge to care for, we see the words for elder, bishop, you've heard probably heard that word, bishop or overseer, and pastor. Where it says, appointment, to pastor, to care for, to be in the field and, and to care for the sheep. You see, one, one group of people here, going. You, Paul is using three terms, much like Peter did. Show you this in 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. Watch this because I have a point for this and it's important. But 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2, it says, I exhort you, the elders among you. I exhort the elders among you. As a fellow elder, Peter says, and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And we'll talk about inheritance a little bit in here. He says, I exhort you to shepherd. Now that's our word for pastor. I exhort you elders to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now watch this. Exercising oversight. That's our word for bishop. Not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you for, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. What I want you to see from these passages is that elder, bishop, pastor is the same office. It's not different. It's not a hierarchy. It's not different offices. It is the same office in the church. It's just different ways of highlighting different parts or characteristics of that office. So an elder, a bishop, a pastor are the same thing in the Bible. Now I know they're not the same thing in the church world. Right? In a lot of places. But biblically speaking, and, and I want you to latch hold to this. Biblically speaking, we're given qualifications for two offices. Those are the only ones we're told how to spot. Pastors and deacons. Elders and deacons. That's, those are 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, if you want those passages. There are only two offices in the New Testament. And just all I would say is if your background is different from that, just because we can get defensive over our background. We can get defenses over our tradition. But just back up from that. Let the you know, passion drop down and just say, what does the Bible say? What does God's Word say? Because every day I'm asking myself that and things I need to drop, things I need to put on. And hopefully you too. But the New Testament gives us qualifications for two offices. Pastor and deacon. Elder and deacon. Bishop and deacon. Overseer and deacon. Those are the only two offices that we are to appoint in the church. The elders are not... See, elders are not little kings in the church either. The crown stays on Jesus' head. <laughs> we get that wrong in a lot of places and start domineering over people. The crown stays on Jesus' head and we as elders or pastors are under shepherds to love and serve God's people the way Jesus has and does. Under the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus. 
Jesus shepherds His church through the pastors and elders that He appoints. He shepherds through means. He, he, he rules and lords through means. And those, those, those elders or pastors are not free to make up their own rules. They are to minister the Word of God. We have no legislative power. Right? We're to minister Christ's authority by ministering His Word to people. So those, these are the people that Paul is talking to. He's talking to pastors who, who have been appointed in the church, who have been recognized with the gifts and, and have the calling necessary. And Paul is challenging them to do something, to shepherd faithfully. God's church. Notice what he says in verse 28. He says, pay attention. Watch out. Care for the church. Pay careful attention. Look, at, look back at the text. That is a continual. That's a present tense verb. That's a continual action. You have to pay careful attention attention to the flock to God's church to to watch out for the church that it says look in look in the latter part of that verse the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to pastor or to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood now if Theologically, if your mind has been in a theological direction, you're going to say, well, God doesn't have any blood. The divine nature is a spirit, right? But don't forget, in Christ, truly God, truly man, two natures united into one person. The blood of God's Son, in the right way of speaking about the person, is the blood of God, the blood He required, the blood He provided, the sacrifice He provided in His Son. Jesus is God and man, we sometimes say fully God or R.C. Sproul would want us to say truly God and truly man. A true divine nature and a true human nature united in one person. Not blended, not separated, united in one person. Jesus is one person with two natures forever. And Jesus shed his blood on the cross to do what we read in the psalm to save his people. To pay the penalty for our sins. And to drink that cup dry. See, He could only do that if He was God. He could only drink eternal damnation dry on the cross before He passed away and say it is finished if He, had a, if he was God. And He could only represent us and die for us if He was truly human. So on the cross, He shed His blood. And listen, that means He died. That's, that's one part for the whole. He poured out His blood. The life is in the blood. He, he died on the cross. Not because God is mean. But because God chose to save His people. God shed His blood in His Son. God satisfied what He required. His own justice. So that His people could be forgiven. And clothed in His righteousness. And reconciled to Him. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our forgiveness if we are saved. Because He lived for us, He died for us, and He was raised from the grave the third day, proving it all true.
Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He shed his blood. He purchased his church. Notice it says the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Which he purchased. We know when we come to faith in Christ we're no longer ours. We're his. And we're to grow in living that out and, and faithfully serving us. Serving him, not serving us. That's our default in bad nature. To serve us. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. And he purchased his church. The soul that sins shall die. There was wrath due us that Jesus took. He's the only Savior. There will never be another one. And if you will be reconciled to God, you will trust in him. That's going to trigger some people. Today's current. But it's true. Christ, God, purchased His church with the sacrifice He had foreordained in His Son, which was effective and, and accomplished what He meant for it to accomplish, and therefore Jesus was raised from the grave. And His reigning now is coming again. But notice the church was purchased. It is His. And He has entrusted these elders to faithfully pastor that church to faithfully lead feed and care for the flock so Paul is challenging them on the basis of God having sacrificed himself in his son on the basis of Christ dying to pay the penalty for our sin and being raised on the fact that God purchased his church and paid it in full he's now challenging these shepherds to be faithful with that flock so look what he says to them in verse 28, he says, pay careful attention. Watch out. King James says, be on guard. NAS says, watch out. Net Bible says, uh, I mean, the net says, watch out. The, the NAS says, be on guard. King James says, take heed. Watch out because there's danger. And this is a present command, like I said. So this would be saying to those elders, be continually on guard be continually watching out for danger imagine yourself first century palestine you're a shepherd you're out in the field with the flock of sheep yes you're to lead them to good pastures and make sure they're fed and watered and provided for leading and feeding but you're also to protect them so you would be constantly vigilant watching for wolves or bears or whatever might try to come and tear the flock. You would be constantly on alert. And at night, they didn't just leave them laying out anywhere most of the time. They had them in hemmed in. And they'd hem them in with briars if they had to. And set guard over the door. But a faithful shepherd had his flock in one place. And he was watching over them for danger. And Paul is saying, you need to be alert at all times for danger. Because it's, 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 it's a real threat. But it's a twofold danger. Look, look what he says to them. And you who, you who are studying for the ministry, you who think you might have a call to the ministry, you who maybe are pastors or have been pastors, know this, at least you know this to be true. But there's a twofold danger here. Notice what Paul, Paul says to them. He says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, 
fierce wolves will come in among the flock. So he says this to them in verse 28. Pay careful attention, first of all, to yourself. Notice that. Paul says to these elders, the first thing you need to watch out for is yourself. You need to keep guard on yourself because you know you're not glorified yet and you have a tendency to veer away. To veer away from faithful service to Christ. To veer away from love to Christ. To veer away from loving His truth. So he says, watch first for yourself. The first part of an elder's job is to watch himself. Much harm is done to God's church by pastors who have veered off. Or were wolves to start with. But even faithful pastors can veer from the truth and lead the flock into danger instead of away from danger. Lead the flock into not green pastures, not edifying pastures. You study the history of the church and you'll see this, how, how many bishops, elders, pastors, and we know that biblically that's one office, but anyway, have led the church Men who claim to be followers of Jesus have led the church off into error. And so Paul says the first thing you need to watch out for is yourself. He would say this to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.16 Keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. Persist in this for by doing so you'll save both yourself and your hearers. You will deliver yourself from error and your hearers from error. You will be a, a faithful shepherd, first of all, by under Christ and in Christ, shepherding yourself. And we'll talk about the standard for that, the word, in a minute. So Paul um, is going to go on and tell them. He's, he, he's going to tell these, these shepherds that I'm going to skip down a little bit. Verse 30 here in the text. He says, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And all you have to do is read First and Second Timothy and see Paul name names of guys that actually happened to. And in church history, you can see testimony of how the church in Ephesus went astray. Now, it was brought back by God's grace, but it went astray. You read Revelation. What's the accusation of, against Ephesus? You've left your first love. But Paul says, first of all, you need to watch for yourself. And he's saying, much like Jesus would say at times, I know who's going to betray me. Paul is saying, some of you are going to veer off. You're going to turn the lens on yourself. You're going to try to draw disciples away to yourself. Ministry is going to become about you. And you building your kingdom. And you're going to stop preaching the whole counsel of God. You're going to stop giving everything that is profitable. You're going to veer and lead this, this, this sheep astray. See, listen, the question is not, are there any wolves in the church today? The question is, who are they? Some of us are very tender and merciful and we don't like to call anybody a wolf and we want to say things like well just let God sort it out he's the judge but you better be discerning for your own health's sake and for your family's sake to know who is a faithful shepherd and who is a wolf in sheep's clothing 
Because I'm telling you, wolves, a lot of wolves these days have big ministries. There's a lot of wolf barking on TV and radio and in print. Praise God, there's a lot of faithful shepherds out there too. And we'll see sort of more about how to, how to identify them. But just know at first glance, wolf identifying those going astray is not easy. Look at 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen to 15. And Paul's being accused by false apostles and all this stuff. I'll let you go back and read 2 Corinthians 11. He says this in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen to 15. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. But their end will be according to their deeds. Or you'll know them by their fruit, Jesus said. False apostles. False apostles deny. Wolves deny. False teachers deny. Distort or just flat ignore the gospel. And they make religion about man and what man can do and what man can gain by following Jesus. Watch out for people who deny salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, who put some works on your back. Watch out for people who distort the gospel. Watch out for people who ignore the gospel. And every message is your breakthrough is just around the corner. God would have you be healthy, wealthy, and if you'll just send me money, you'll expedite that process. I hope it's a righteous anger, but I like to punch those people in the mouth. Make them shut up. Because they are robbing God's people and bilking God's church and harming His church. So Paul says, listen guys, you need to watch yourselves first and foremost. And this would, man, this would shake me up if he said, because I know that some of you are going to go astray. You're going to try to draw people away to your own self. He said it before it happened, it happened. Right? But second danger. We see the elders need to watch out for themselves. And I would say their fellow elders, but themselves. And then he says, secondly, unto all the flock. Shepherd the church. Which he obtained. Pay careful attention. Verse 28. To yourselves and to all the flock. Now watch in verse 29. He says. I know that after my departure. Fierce wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock. A shepherd has to constantly. Be on guard. For wolves in the flock. And straying sheep. And Paul guarantees here that wolves are coming in. And they will seek to lead the sheep astray. They will, they will, they will tear at the unity of the church. They will prattle in the background and seek to create division and distrust. See, shepherds are to watch out for straying sheep, they're to watch out for wolves, not to keep their little kingdom, but because straying sheep get eaten. You can't be a faithful shepherd and just do your own thing and let the sheep just wander the hills. Because a lone ranger is a dead ranger, and an alone sheep is an eaten sheep. 
Sheep are not very good at defending themselves. They'll bite their shepherd sometimes, but they're, they're not very good at defending themselves. And so you need to be able to spot the straying sheep. You need to be able to spot the wolves in the church. And listen, that's even, it, even harder in the church. Because Paul says fierce wolves are going to come in not sparing the flock. But like Satan, wolves are sneaky. You've probably all seen the pictures of a wolf head sticking out of a sheep costume. Wolves look like sheep. Many times wolves look like the best of the sheep. The most active. They dress themselves in sheep's clothing. They seem sweet and godly at first, but they tear at the unity of the church. They tear at the health of the church. They tear at the health of the people they come into contact with. And they can be intentionally deceptive or just self-deceive themselves. But wolves are hard to spot. And Paul says they're going to come in. And we know that they did. And many times wolves are not the people up front. They come through the door. And they're all sweet and they make friends with you. And then they begin to sow seeds of discord in your ear. And to seek to draw you into distrust and draw you away. How do we identify them? Well, they're not spotted by outward appearance and gifts. I know, I know some of the worst heretics on TV are some of the best speakers you'll ever hear. Oratory and gifts are not necessarily a sign of a faithful shepherd. You can go to the theater if you want to be entertained. They are spotted by whether or not they line up with the standard. And you can see clearly then that they seek to draw away God's people. So, second point. A standard. You've seen a danger and a warning. Now, a standard. We have to have some way to identify wolves. If we can't look on the outward appearance and identify them, how do we identify them? And how do we identify pastors who will go at the wolves and protect the flock? And how do we know even how to live as followers of Jesus? The standard. That's what Paul points them to. He points them back to his faithful service. In, in verse 31 he says, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. And now watch in verse 32. The standard, the word of His grace. Now I commend you to God... Now watch this. I commend you to God and the word of His grace. Isn't that a beautiful way to describe His word? His Bible? The word of His grace. Grace planned in eternity. Accomplished in history. Being applied by the Spirit through the preaching of the Gospel. This is the word of His grace from Genesis to Revelation. The working out of His grace and accomplishing salvation for His people. It's the same God from Genesis to Revelation. Some people fall to the trap. Oh, the Old Testament God would mean. But then you're getting into Gnosticism when you start dividing things up. But anyway, that's another sermon. Same God. Same gracious God. Same holy and righteous God who is working out salvation in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But it's the word of His grace. Paul says, I commend you to God and to your feelings. I commend you to God and to your heart. Just follow your heart. That might be good Jiminy Cricket theology, but that's not Christian theology. Some of the worst advice you will ever get from anybody is follow your heart. Why? Heart is deceitful. It needs the word for us to come to faith and for us to grow in grace. And we grow in grace by knowing more of the word. Therefore, knowing Jesus better and loving and following him more faithfully. Paul says, I commend you to the word and to God and to his word, the word of his grace. Now watch the sufficiency of the word, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the, the inheritance among those who are sanctified. God's Word, the Word of God with Jesus at the center is sufficient and efficient to build His church. The Word builds the church. God through His Word builds the church and orders His church and protects His church and guides His church. Now it has to be certainly rightly interpreted with Christ at the center. But it's the word of His grace which is able to build you up. It's able to bring you to faith and to grow you in grace. And it's not just the words on the page, but it is God's truth used by God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit applying the gospel to bring us to life and to grow us in grace through the good news of His grace to us in Christ. But notice it's the word that builds the church. Gives us the inheritance. I commend you to the word of his grace which is able to build you up. To grow you in grace. To give you the inheritance. Being built up is a theme throughout the New Testament. I mean, you know, in, in Ephesians 2.22, I think it's 22. It says we're be, we are all being built up together. Into a dwelling place for God in the spirit. It's what that temple, that brick and mortar temple pictured. is what we are in Christ. A dwelling place of God. So the Word builds the church by the Spirit applying it and pointing us to Jesus. And give you the inheritance. Makes us co-heirs with Christ. Did you know that when you come to faith in Jesus and, and among all of the other benefits that you have in Christ, you inherit everything He inherits? Now you'll never become God. We're not Mormons. That's error. But you're co-heirs with Christ. You have a gospel that is sufficient for this life and the life to come. Especially the life to come. New heavens, new earth. Sin gone. Misery gone. Full satisfaction and fulfillment and joy in Christ forever in the new heavens and the new earth. If in this life we only have hope, we are most to be pitied, Paul said. But it's not just in this life that we have hope. We have hope for this life and the next life. And because the gospel is true in Christ as our Savior. Death is just a shuttle ride into his presence. To be with him forever. So many sermons wrapped up in this. But I need to move on. You inherit everything Christ inherits. He is your. You are co-heirs with him. And his grace. Makes us givers. Last, last part of that, that section. 
But look at it. It says, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. I'm trusting God, you to God and for Him by His Spirit to take His word and, and grow you in grace and make you what He wants you to be. You're sanctified. You're set apart for Him. You're set aside for God. You're, you're, you're His now. And then he goes back to his example in verse 33. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard, we must help the weak. Notice one in the Bible, one of the primary motivations for us to work hard and earn is to give. Now certainly, you have a biblical responsibility to take care of your family and make sure your family is well cared for. But also to give to God and to give to those in need. And Paul says, In all things I've shown you by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, now, now wait, pause. You will search the Gospels in vain to find this quote. It's not there. It's not in any of your Gospels. This is one of the things that Jesus said and did that are not recorded, John says. But the apostles brought it through and taught it. And so Paul is, has received that and he's passing that on. Kids, now watch this. Christmas is coming up. Fight to believe this because Jesus is king and has given himself for you. Watch this. Parents, kids, everybody. It is more blessed to give than to receive. In imitation of our Savior who has given himself for us who has taken our eternal hell, who has provided a perfect righteousness for us, who died on the cross for us to redeem us, to pay the penalty for our sin. Now he calls us to give ourselves to him and to others. As you're thinking about elders, and you know none of us are perfect in this, but look for men who, who, who are, are strongly committed to Christ and following him. They're not perfect men. Nobody is. Men who are devoted to his church and love his church. Men who are givers. And deacons as well. Who are givers who give themselves in faithful service to God and to God's people. But Paul says it is more blessed to give. Grace, what's the point? Grace makes us givers. If I'm not a giver, I've not, at least not properly understood grace. Grace doesn't make me a selfer. I do that. I do a great job at that. Grace makes us givers. And it made Paul a giver, the one who wanted to destroy the church, the one who has set a faithful example in Ephesus and is calling these elders to follow him, although we know that some of them won't. And the last thing I want to point out is, is a, we've had a, a warning, a standard, and now a farewell. And I titled this Goodbye for This Life. Because all farewells are in this life are temporary for believers. We will all be reunited with Christ and in Christ and in the new heavens and new earth together. All farewells are permanent for unbelievers. but all farewells are temporary for believers. Look what happens here. It says in verse 36, when they had said these things, when he had said these things, Paul, he knelt down and prayed with them, and I'm sure prayed for them. And there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and kissed him. Some of them are betraying him with a kiss, just like Judas did Jesus. You see that play out in their lives? 
but I'm sure most of them are sincere. And it says, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And I'm sure they stood there and watched the ship as it, as it went out of sight. And many of those men who would go astray and seek to draw disciples away into themselves probably never imagined it would ever happen as they stood there and watched him sail away. But Paul has challenged them to faithfully care for God's flock, to faithfully shepherd them. And some of these guys will show themselves wolf. Well, that's a temporary thing. I don't have enough time to pour that much into that. We may come back to some of that when we pick up in, in chapter 21. But um, this farewell for all of the believers was temporary. And Paul is moving on to Jerusalem knowing that he will have suffering there, not knowing what all that will look like. But he still is on a mission. He's going to take the aid he's, he's taken up to the believers in, in Judea. And he's going back there. Uh, with the gospel and a report of the gospel and everything. He's, just, he's, he's faithfully serving Christ. We've already seen him say that his life is not precious to him. What matters to him is finishing the course and following Christ. So as we pull away from this text, I just wanted to give us a little bit of application. How must we beware? How must we pay attention? How must we be alert? How much we watch out? Those are all continual commands. Continually beware, continually watch out. Watch out for wolves. First, as a church, and this is important since we're coming up on nominations, only appoint men to the offices who are biblically sound and qualified and hold them accountable. This is not a popularity contest. This is not a niceness contest. This is not, this person is successful in business or smart. They would make, mm -mm. this is 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1 stuff. We get in trouble. When we just go by the outward appearance and, and do things like this. Only nominate men and we will only, I promise you, we will only appoint men to the best of our ability who meet those qualifications. By the way, if you go through the nomination process and you nominate somebody and you never hear anything else about that, there could be a multitude of reasons for that. It could be that the man himself said, mm -mm. I mean, the first qualification, read First Timothy 3, is a desire. So if the man doesn't have a desire, that's just evidence God hasn't called him. The second reason is he may not be ready. He may have the gifts and, and all, but he might not be ready yet. So we might have a course of action to try to help him get ready. Right? You may hear some of that. Or, or, or there just may be problems that we can't talk to you about. Right? So the, don't... And then the other thing I would mention is if in those nominations, a man has to get at least 20% of those nominations that even to be considered. So you might be the only one that nominated somebody. You may never hear anything. We're not going to come to you and say you were the only one, right? But just know, trust. The people that are nominated, if they get 20% of the nominations, we're going to talk to them. If they want to go forward in the process, then we're going to break out First Timothy 3, Titus 1. And discuss those qualifications. We're going to discuss them with them. And with their wives. And their family. And to the best of our ability. We're going to provide you with. God's going to provide you. But we're going to try to be faithful. To be sure that they're faithful men. Who are serving. Not perfect men. But faithful men who are serving as elders and deacons in God's church. But as a church. We must appoint men. Who are biblically sound. And qualified to hold the offices. Men who know the word and live by the word rightly interpreted. That goes for deacons and elders. Right? 
Deacons don't have to be apt to teach, but they need to be mature Christians. And they need to be elders who are willing to hold one another accountable. Listen, when, when, when we, have, we have two elders now, Mike and myself, right? And if we have four or five, there's not one like boss elder and four follower elder. They're all on an equal footing and love one another and serve with one another and hold one another accountable. So men who are willing to lovingly hold one another accountable. And then the, the flock also has a responsibility to hold us accountable. Please don't ever hesitate to do that. I mean, if you see something in my life or in my teaching that is not biblical, or at least you think it's not biblical, please come and let me know. Because we all have blind spots and none of us are glorified yet. Or with any Mike or with Andrew or any other of the leadership, if you see something, man, if we're not approachable, we're not qualified. If we immediately start defending turf, we're not qualified. So church, hold your leadership accountable. Leaders, hold one another accountable. Not just to some vague standard, but to the Word of God. Rightly interpreted. But I don't want to go away without giving you as individuals three defenses against wolves. There's more. But I wanted to give you as individual members of the church at least three ways you can defend yourself and watch out for wolves. Kind of like the, the warning to the elders then. Listen, Christian, be constantly on guard for your own soul. Now, certainly we'll have blind spots and we'll need people to come alongside us. But be consciously watching over yourself. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. This is from the Net Bible. I have a slide from the Net Bible. New English translation. It's, it's really good. It has a lot of good notes in it. Uh, but it says this to the church. Stay alert. To what? To stand firm in the faith. And to be strong and courageous. I mean, that takes us back to thinking of Joshua, right? Be strong and courageous. Stand, stay alert of your own self to see that you are standing firm in the faith. And being courageous and strong to follow Jesus. Watch over yourself. Be on guard. If you let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. If you think you are beyond any sort of fall or slip or problem or heresy or sliding completely off the table, that is a dangerous place to be. You need to go, you need to get up every morning with the with the attitude, and I do, and we all do, but for the grace of God, there go I. So give constant, diligent watch care over yourself. That's first and foremost. And then we try to do that and help one another do that, right? We'll talk about that in a minute. So be constantly on guard for your own soul. Secondly, this is ongoing, right? Know God's Word so that the Scripture twisting or the error sticks out. You need to be... God's grace should give us a thirst for His Word. A desire to know Him and we know Him through His Word. Therefore, we are in His Word because of grace, not legalism. Because we love Him and want to know Him and want to faithfully follow Him. We're in His Word every day and we're talking about it with ourselves and praying to God about it. We're talking with one another about it. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And, and that word let can throw you in English. That's a command. That's a... Third person command. That's not a, you know, just let go and let God and if it happens sort of thing. I'm going to slide down this hill and enjoy it. If I get a little bit of the work, 
No, that work hard to have the word of Christ. That's the word of his grace. Dwelling in you richly. So that you're encouraged in teaching one another and worshiping together and protecting one another, holding one another accountable. So you be constantly on guard for yourself. You be constantly working to know God's word. That is a job for all of us. Kids, it's a job for you. To be diligent, to be digging in and having your parents help you learn God's word. And then I, the other one I wanted to give you is surround yourself with surround yourself with strong Christians. Not yes people, not people who will check off on your kingdom desires, but people who love you enough to come to you and say, "This is not good. I love you, but this is not according to the word." People who love you enough to challenge you. Surround yourself with strong Christians. And listen, guys and girls, we tend to do this sometimes. Sometimes we do get caught in a sin. Don't surround yourself with people struggling with the same thing. Who just make it okay and say it's okay. And you know, we're all sinners and we struggle. And Surround yourself with people who've been through it and come out. Surround yourself with people who can give you good encouragement and biblical counsel. But surround yourself. Man, it could be even this simple. Surround yourself with Christians. Real ones. Think back to the shepherd and the flock. The flock has a responsibility to flock. Catch that? To flock together. And to follow the shepherd as he leads, trusting that the shepherd is going to lead them in the path, in right paths, paths of righteousness, paths according to the word. The cool thing is you have the same book I have. If, you, if I start leading you astray, you go, ah, ah, ah. Or any of your other pastors. And as you move to different places. But the, the safety for the flock is flocked. And the danger for the flock is stray. I mean just that picture of the shepherd and the flock. Will show you that people who say. We are the church. We don't have to go to church. Have been deceived. Are straying. Are being eaten. Are believing lies. Because God has designed us to do life together. And safety. I mean it even fleshly wisdom there's safety in numbers right surround yourself with strong leaders and fellow believers people who are committed to the word of his grace people who when they counsel you will counsel you not from the wisdom of the wicked but from the wisdom of God from, from his word People who will work with you to study and grow. And that's one of the good things about small groups, right? That's one of the ways we try to do it. But this is the most important small group is when we gather for worship on the Lord's Day. I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. But we're not designed to be lone rangers. Where did that start? That started in the garden, right? Eat of the fruit. You will know good and evil. You can make your own decisions. You can go your own way and be God. Lie. Devil's a liar. Your flesh is a liar. Yeah. Surround yourself with strong leaders and fellow believers who are seeking the best you can determine to follow God's word and to teach it and preach it and learn it and grow in it. He didn't design us to do it, Lone Ranger. He designed us to, designed us to do life in community. Look in Hebrews 10.25. Talking about meeting together. 
And I'll let you go read it in context. But it says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Notice one of the reasons we get together is for encouragement. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Commitment to community. So if you would be protective for wolves, be constantly on guard for your own life with His Word. Be constantly working to know Him through His Word. And be constantly committed to surrounding yourself with believers in His church. All of us watch out by trusting Jesus alone for His salvation and by knowing and applying His Word to our lives. So I end the way I started. Watch out. Much danger out there for your soul. Take heed to the warning. Run to Jesus and the Word of His grace and seek by God's grace and the power of His Holy Spirit, to live growingly faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. To live as Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us to not just say that, but to grow in actually living that way. That now for us, life is primarily about You. About loving and serving You. Help us who by Your grace and your, through Your call are are what we would call leaders, but really we're to, be, we're to be leading and serving leaders in your church. Help us to love you and trust you and be uh, on fire for you and be in your word and having our lives shaped by the truth of the word of your grace and being people who will, will minister your grace to your people and lead your people as we follow you, Lord Jesus, not in a different direction. And Lord, help us as just the people of God to, to follow you, Lord Jesus, to love you, to, to be in your word, to be committed to you, to be committed to one another, uh, to be watching over ourselves, uh, to be watching for danger. Lord, when we get dissatisfied and discouraged and feel discontent, it's when we're so in danger. Help us to run to our brothers and sisters and share our struggles and receive mercy. Help us to first and foremost run to your throne of grace. And thank you that is a throne of grace because of your grace to us in Christ. Lord, protect your people from the wolves. Help us to lead them rightly. Help them to follow rightly. Help Christ to be the center and lifted high. And may your gospel go forth through your church faithfully following you. And see others come to faith and need to be disciples. We thank you for allowing us to gather and worship you today. We pray that you'd just be powerfully at work in us through your word. In Jesus' holy name. Amen.